0: It's impossible to estimate the impact that one godly Christian leader can have on another person. One cannot look through time and see to what degree the course of a life has been changed by the kind and Christ-like influence of one person on another. This is especially true in the case of children. The primary age Sunday school teacher walks into a classroom on any given Sunday fretting over the little Bible story lesson that they have tried to prepare, wondering if it has all been a waste of time. But unbeknownst to them, among the little boys that sit in that classroom may well be the next evangelist like Billy Sunday. Or among the little girls, there might be one to grow up to become a great missionary like Amy Carmichael. The same is true with a kindergarten teacher or a babysitter or even a menial housekeeper in an upper-class home of English aristocracy. In many respects, The world as we know it today would be very different without the Christian influence of a godly housekeeper on a young son of an English Lord. I'm Ronnie Brown, and this is Forgotten. Ashley Cooper, was born in London, England on April the 28th, 1801. His father was Cropley Ashley Cooper, the sixth Earl of Shaftesbury, who was a member of the British Parliament serving as a chairman of committees in the House of Lords. Ashley, as he was known in childhood, was born into a family with a long history of political power and social prominence. Now one might think such a child would live a life of spoiled pampering by overindulgent parents, but they'd be wrong. The childhood of most British upper-class heirs was one of cold isolation. It was loveless, with no tender affection that was so necessary for the early years of a child's development. In the case of Ashley Cooper, his father was downright abusive. He bullied and antagonized his son. On one account, Cooper's father brought him to one of the boarding schools that he would attend, and while speaking with one of the instructors, exampled what the instructor was to do to Ashley to keep him in line. His father then knocked the boy to the ground. Later, Ashley Cooper's biographer, GFA Best, said, quote, Ashley grew up without any experience of parental love. He saw little of his parents, and when duty or necessity compelled them to take notice of him, they were formal and frightening. One might naturally think a young child might become hardened by such treatment, would become angry or resentful in their disposition, but you would also be wrong. Although he was prone to bouts of depression for the rest of his life, the trauma and abuse he suffered as a child resulted into a tender-hearted man that regularly sympathized with the mistreatment and the needs of the helpless. This surprising characteristic is due in large part not to a mother or a father or a teacher or some sort of mentor, but to a housekeeper by the name of Anna Maria Mills. The simple servant was a bright light in Ashley's otherwise dark childhood. Maria was a devoted Christian and displayed for Ashley and his sisters a Christ-like love that deeply affected Ashley for the rest of his life. Again, his biographer Best describes the impact of Maria's Christianity on Ashley. Quote, What did touch him was the reality and the homely practicality Of the love which her Christianity made her feel towards these unhappy children, she told him Bible stories, and she taught him prayer. On Ashley's eighth birthday, he received a poem signed, Your Affectionate Friend, A-M-M. With all certainty, this was from Mrs. Mills. The poem was Christian in its message, wishing him both earthly and eternal blessings. But it wasn't long after she wrote this poem that Maria would pass away in death. Although her presence was enjoyed by Ashley for just a few short years, the life she exampled before him would profoundly direct his life story to the end of his days. In 1865, he wrote of Maria saying, Anna Maria Mills, the old housekeeper, to whom... Under God, he owed the first thoughts of piety and the first action of prayer. Near the end of his life, he wrote of her, quote, She was an affectionate, pious woman. She taught me many things, directing my thoughts to the highest subjects, and I can even now call to mind many sentences of prayer she made me repeat at her knees. To her, I trace under God my first impressions. Despite the loss of his close friend, Ashley endured further years of his father's unrelenting brutality and the equally disturbing treatment by teachers and staff of boarding schools. Ashley recalled those painful years by saying, the place was bad, wicked, filthy, and the treatment was starvation and cruelty. But Ashley would grow into his place in the world as the 7th Earl of Shaftesbury. Ashley was elected a Member of Parliament in 1826 shortly thereafter he was appointed to the select committee on pauper lunatics of the county of Middlesex and on lunatic asylums. Now it is here that we have to understand that society in London, England is very different than that of today. Poverty was rampant, but with little pity from the wealthy. No one cared at all for the homeless, the defenseless, the vulnerable. And at this dawn of the industrial age, there was very little common compassion. No one ever dreamed of putting themselves in the shoes of the less fortunate. Enter Lord Shaftesbury. On the committee's behalf, Lord Shaftesbury visited what was then called the Lunatic Asylum, or a madhouse. We might recognize them as a state-funded institution for the mentally handicapped. Lord Shaftesbury was shocked at the treatment of these people. Patients were chained up, slept naked on straw, and soiled their own beds. They were left chained from Saturday afternoon until Monday morning when they were cleaned of their filth by freezing water and one towel was used to wipe off 160 people with no soap. It was overcrowded and the food provided was disgusting. Shaftesbury was cut to the heart. He immediately initiated legislation that would amend previous lunacy laws that were woefully inadequate. He would require better record keeping and stricter certification regulations to ensure patients against unwarranted detention. And after a long battle, these measures became law and great strides were made to improve the conditions for these pitiable people. Child labor was another social ill that Lord Shaftesbury sought to change. During this time period, children as young as seven and eight were used in various industries, oftentimes in dangerous work. Children were used for jobs that require someone to go into a small space in factories or mines, places where adults simply could not fit. They were cheap labor and easy to manage and control, working for very low wages. They worked extremely long hours and were expected to give up on any ambition of getting an education. In 1833, Ashley introduced the Ten Hours Act, which provided that children working in the cotton and woolen industries must be aged nine or above, and no person under the age of 18 was to work more than 10 hours a day or eight hours on Saturday, and no one under the age of 25 was to work nights. Lord Shaftesbury sought the end of young boys being used as chimney sweeps. Because of their size, they would be lowered down into the hot, soot-filled chimneys all across London to clean them out. Many of these boys were no more than slaves. They suffered terribly from this work, enduring serious burns, cuts, breathing in toxic particles of soot in suffocating conditions. Even some forms of cancer sprang up among the ranks of these boys as a result of the dangerous work. At one point, Shaftesbury discovered that a boy chimney sweep was living behind his house in Brock Street. He rescued the boy and sent him to school to be educated, saying, under God's blessing and special merciful grace, he will be trained in the knowledge and love and faith of our common Savior. As a result of Shaftesbury's tireless and unrelenting work, this practice was outlawed. Shaftesbury was a champion for education of the poor as well. He was a strong supporter of the ragged schools. These were schools for the poor that were staffed by volunteers. Shaftesbury wrote, If the ragged school's system were to fail, I should not die in the course of nature. I should die of a broken heart. There's another notable course of his career, and that is his personal pursuit of the establishment of Israel as a state. Upheaval in the Middle East during the mid-19th century opened up the possibility of the establishment of Israel as a state. Shaftesbury urged to send a British council to explore the advantages of establishing a Jewish state, seeing it as having political and economic advantages to England, and because he believed that it was the will of God. He wrote of that region... A country without a nation? In need of a nation without a country? Is there such a thing? To be sure, there is. The ancient and rightful lords of the soil, the Jews. As a result of the end of World War II, almost 100 years later, Lord Shaftesbury's vision would become a reality. On numerous fronts, Shaftesbury led the charge for the disadvantaged. He combated white slavery in which girls were sold into prostitution. Out of his own funds, he did everything that he could to feed starving children. He advocated for better housing for the poor. The result of these changes that he, Lord Shaftesbury, and another contemporary, William Wilberforce, who led the charge for the total abolishment of slavery, would effectively change society as a whole. By living out their Christianity, Not only in stuffy stone religious buildings, but in every avenue of their lives, they changed society on the whole. Charitable causes and humanitarian endeavors would not be what they are today without the influence of these men. Shaftesbury died on October the 1st, 1885, and as he was carried to his final resting place, the streets were lined with poor people from all walks of life as they waited for hours to pay their respects to a man that did so much for them. During one of his sermons, just days after Shaftesbury's death, the famed preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon spoke of him, quote, During the past week, The Church of God and the world at large have sustained a very serious loss in the taking home to himself by our gracious Lord, the Earl of Shaftesbury. We have, in my judgment, lost the best man of the age. I do not know whom I should place second, but I certainly should put him first, far beyond all other servants of God within my knowledge for usefulness and influence. He was a man most true in his personal piety, as I know from having enjoyed his private fellowship. A man most firm in his faith in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. A man intensely active in the cause of God and truth. End quote. I shudder to think how different his life and legacy would be had not there been placed a housekeeper named Maria Mills in the infant days of his life. Upon Maria's death, she left Ashley her watch, one of the few possessions that she had. Ashley took great pride in wearing the watch to the end of his life, telling others that it had been given to him by the best friend he ever had in this world. We can never underestimate the power of a godly life on the people around us. The most that some people ever know of God or Jesus Christ, will not come from the words of a sacred book or the songs of a church's choir or the pleas of a preacher's sermon. It will come from the life of believers lived out before their eyes, the impact of which cannot be estimated. Jesus likened the life of a believer to salt, salt preserves, salt protects, salt heals. And yet he said, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Forgotten is written and produced by me, Ronnie Brown. You can find out more about this show at ForgottenPodcast.com. And as always, thanks for listening.